0: Good evening, Jet fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Exciting week as we have football, training camp or not. It's just, uh, you know, we wait all year for actual football news. No, the games don't start for a few weeks, at least the preseason. And uh, luckily, uh, my co-host, Alex Veralo who is on the line with us now, was able to attend a couple of the practices and will be attending some more in the future. So we're going to go right to Alex. Alex, Alex is going to give us a little rundown. Uh, he's going to one physical notebook and tell us everything he saw, who impressed him, uh, who didn't, and I will jump in with any questions I might have. But Alex, how are you doing? And lay it on us.
1: I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, it was a lot of fun this weekend. Uh, it was just got the pins and needles as I was walking through one Jets drive, heading toward the field, and the smell of football was in the air. Uh, you know, we're, I think we're only a few Sundays away uh, from week one, so it's going to be here before we know it. And uh, it was really great to see all the guys, um, you know, coming together and, and practicing and everything like that. Uh, I, I really came away. Extremely impressed. Um, my excitement level, as if it can't get any higher, um, is, is peaking pretty, pretty well right now. Um, I'd have to say, in general, uh, it's, it's not the same team that, that we know. Uh, it, it, there's a different vibe going on on the field. Uh, it seems like, you know, some guys are a little bit more refreshed, rejuvenated uh, with the new system and the new philosophy. Um, you know, right off the bat, I just want to say that the coaching staff is absolutely impressive. Uh, you know, I guess a lot of people probably saw the tweets or the videos um, on Sunday. Greg Williams took took some time to talk to the fans, uh, which was completely random, and he cracked a couple jokes. He gave some encouragement about how tough you know everyone um, is, is trying to you know, work so hard and go through whatever it takes to, for, to defend MetLife stadium. I think that's uh, quoting him exactly. And everybody was just on, on, you know, the edge of their seat. We did a jets chant. It was, it was great. It felt like we were back in the stadium and um, to, to furthermore with the coaches, uh, Sean Jefferson, um, he was the wide receiver coach. They called Sam Darnold, the dude. I, he might've been one of the loudest guys and coaches on that field. Um, These wide receivers are being held accountable. Uh, We're going to be physical this year. And it was just, just really great just to see all the guys back in there. Um, A couple of the coaches that were really, really uh, interesting to see uh, Joe Vitt. Uh, I I remember there was a play. um, I think it was a maybe seven on seven and it was, they were doing some rushing drills, and he was in a staggered stance, almost pacing back and forth, you know, looking at the linebackers going after the uh, the quarterback, and, and you could almost see like he was ready to hit somebody. So the the bars being raised from the coaching staff, and the players are, are kind of, a, you know, buying into it. It seems like there was a lot of energy on the field, and it was, you know, again, I, I think – this is going to be a completely different team from what we had last year. Uh, now to go into, you know, some people that kind of uh, intrigued me uh, on Saturday and Sunday, I have to start with Kafusi. Uh, um, I didn't realize actually how uh, enormous he was of an individual. He almost looks taller than Leonard Williams and bigger than Leonard Williams. And he was uh, getting a lot of reps as the starting defensive end in 3-4 fronts and in 4-3 fronts. And when they were running their nickel, they were running some 4-2 packages with four down linemen and, and two linebackers. There was a lot of mixing of and, and, uh, packages that Greg Williams was throwing out. And I was impressed on how everyone was on the same page. You know, they're calling out their formations and, you know, three guys are checking in. And, you know, three come off, and everyone really seemed to be on the same page. And for it only being, I think, the third and fourth day of their practice, very impressive. Uh, These coaches have done a really, really good job to get everybody, you know, to on the same page, more or less. Um, I I have to say it was uh, a little disappointing. Um, As most people know, Marcus May um, hasn't been cleared as of yet, and it was a little scary for me to see Rontez Miles as the free safety. And um, it's kind of interesting because I remember people talking about uh, how Greg Williams is a bit of a gambler when it comes to his formations. Now, it's similar um, as far as uh, dialing up the pressure to Todd Bowles' defense, except he's more of a zone guy rather than a man coverage guy like Todd Bowles was. So he has no problem, you know, running a cover three and putting his free safety, you know, 18, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I, I tweeted this earlier today that at one point I thought Rontez Miles was returning a punt because he was so far back in coverage. Uh, so that was interesting to see how Miles was getting a lot of reps uh, while May is still trying to get healthy. Uh, that, that stood out to me. Uh, there was uh, on Sunday. Uh, McClendon was getting some snaps with the one. I'm uh, not McClendon. I'm sorry, Middleton. Doug Middleton was getting some snaps as free state safety as well. So it, everyone's getting their opportunity to to show what they can do to this coaching staff. Um, the Blake Cashman uh, was getting worked in with the ones in certain reps, which was very interesting. Um, Arthur uh, Mallette, I think his name is was getting some reps as a nickel corner, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, He seemed to be, uh, you know, uh, one of those guys that got swallowed up a little bit on certain plays. Um, I'd have to say that the offensive guys, um, they had the day on Saturday and then defense uh, got it back on Sunday. So they're going back and forth. The level of competition is extremely high. Uh, I definitely would have to say that one of the most exciting things that I saw um, was uh, a block by Trayvon Wesco, um, who was also getting some reps with the the first string. Uh, He took Jeremy Clark off his feet, and Clark tried to make a move on him after the first initial contact, and then Wesco just just buried him and finished him. And, uh, you know, I wish that there was some video on it. I didn't have my phone ready at the time, but you could hear it, you could feel it, and the entire offense from the sideline was was very very uh entered, uh very loud um and you know the the whoos and the hollering was going on and and the defense was talking back and and then the offense was chiming to back in on them so it's a good level of healthy competition and i'm sure everyone's seen it uh the hit that Brian Poole put on uh, Jamison Jameson Crowder uh that that one was as loud as as it can be. It, it felt like it was right in front of me. And uh, it was great to see Crowder just pop right up. Uh, he pointed for a first down, he spun the ball. They both gave each other a pat on the helmet. You'd think that maybe that might've led to a little bit of a skirmish, but uh, you know, these guys are, are really pushing each other every day. And it was really, really cool um, to to hear Jamison Crowder talk about that in one of his interviews. He was uh, talking about the physicality that Poole brings and how it's pushing him. And, you know, he's more of a, you know, finesse route runner. With, he wants to weave through traffic and get into open space. And, and Poole will, is as tough as nails within that first five yards. So it's really helping him work on, you know, getting off the line of scrimmage. And, and so both of these guys are really, really pushing each other, uh, which I thought was phenomenal. And to also comment on Crowder, uh, we also heard he's going to be back at practice tomorrow. So for anybody that was looking for an update on his health situation, uh, it looked like he had dealt with a minor foot injury yesterday. And uh, I think a couple hours ago, the Jets uh, had tweeted that he's going to be uh, full practice tomorrow. So definitely good to hear that, um, you know, we we didn't end up with two injuries this past week. Um, Still waiting to hear about Brent Uh that was definitely a scary situation. Uh, I'm not sure what happened. It, there was a bit of a, a pile on and, you know, a couple of guys fell and it looks like maybe he got rolled up on. Not a hundred percent sure, uh, but hopefully uh, like the comment was, is that it's not going to be season ending. So hopefully, you know, Brent is able to to get through this and, and get back with the team as soon as mm-hmm. possible. Uh, I don't know, Glenn, is there, there are any questions about uh, particular players that you have in mind that you're interested in?
0: Well, you mentioned Cashman getting some run with the starters, and I heard that too. Um, how was he, you know, instinctively? We hear about how he's a guy who's always around the ball. If he's not making a tackle, he's he's a half a beat behind. Did he, did he look like he was comfortable? Did he look overwhelmed at any point from what you saw? Uh,
1: not really. Um, you know, there was – some different variations that they were, were running. Uh, it was hard to, to pick up on exactly what style of defensive um, packages they were running because really Jamal Adams makes everything so confusing, the way that he kind of moves around and he's in the tackle box and then he's dropping back into coverage and then he's playing man coverage. So it was hard to see, you know, what his specific role was, but there were times where I saw him uh, dropping into zone coverage And I have to say this, there was uh, a lot of checkdowns. So uh, not that that's a bad thing, but meaning that these guys were doing their job and and kind of taking away particular lanes that Darnell may have wanted. So uh, the only thing that I can um, completely remember is they were doing some um, individual drills. And uh, you could definitely tell that, like, some guys, Um, will not go through the motions, uh, per se, but maybe like 80% while they're going through their drills. And Cashman looks like the type of guy that doesn't take a a single playoff. He seems like he's 100% full tilt uh, every play. And uh, definitely uh, noticed the speed. Um, The sideline to sideline, you know, his coverage ability, it's definitely uh, something that, you know, is uh, better for his game. He's going to be an asset when it comes to sub packages where you need guys like him to, you know, maybe cover the flat or cover over, you know, in the interior seams. So I definitely think that uh, Blake Cashman has a bright future for this team.
0: Yeah, I think everything I, I'd heard of on him was, uh, you know, talk, mentioned how some people were surprised to see him with the ones, which really – I don't, I don't buy too much into that. You know, it's exciting to hear the guys doing enough to get even a look with the ones, but you know, it's, it's it's not even preseason, you know, you're talking about training camp where coaches just want to get a look at guys in different situations, but th- by no means does that mean every guy is going to get a look with the ones um, at the moment, take a look at somebody like Ja'Kai Polite, for example. So the fact that Cashman has done enough and whatever he has done to earn himself a look there is, uh, is, is encouraging, you know, it's, you can't glean too much from it, but, um, and I can't remember, Alex, I heard some good things about Derek Jones, but I think that may have been a practice or two after you had gone. Um, did you happen to notice anything yeah. out of him?
1: Yep. Uh, Jones was uh, more with the twos and threes. Uh, he he looked good. He looks to be in great shape. Um, that's, that's for darn sure. Uh, one thing that I did notice is when they were running some special teams drills, he was in a gunner role, and he had to go up against Tomlinson and Cannon. Um, I really thought he was going to get swallowed up in that play uh, by Eric Tomlinson. He actually did a really, really quick move off the line, kind of was getting up the seam, and then somehow Cannon just recovered and popped them right in his chest and knocked him out of bounds. And you look at Cannon, you don't think that he'd be a guy that has that much power. Um, and I was, it was definitely intriguing to see um, how Cannon might be one of those Uh, blocking guys on the punt uh, squad team, or the punt return team, rather. And um, I did see some plays where he made some nice pass breakups and some tight coverage. Uh, But, again, uh, it seems that he's still working his way through the depth chart and is still behind players like Poole, um, Roberts, and even Arthur uh, uh, Mallett was getting – Uh, more opportunities with the first stringer. So he still has some work to do. Uh, I would probably say that he might be ahead of Perry Nickerson at this point uh, out of the entire group. And, you know, this is the type of situation for him where, you know, maybe he's not going to be getting a lot of reps right now um, through training camp with the ones, but his opportunities will certainly come uh, at the preseason games. And that's where I think that he's going to have to try to, do his best to to separate himself from from the bunch.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that injury to Brent Qualley, which uh, is bad news. The good news is, from the most recent report, is that it is not a season-ending injury. However, we don't know just how long Qualley is going to be out. You would have to ma- or have to imagine he will spend at least uh, part of the season on short-term IR because of that injury. The Jets have apparently this just saw so this tweeted out a couple times now. Uh, the Jets are working out. Offensive tackle Sam Young. He's a. Uh, veggie spent a few years playing for Gase in Miami. Uh, came in the league in 2010 as a draft pick with the Dolphins. Has, has spot starter. 21 career starts, 88 career games. So we'll see what comes of that. I would hope that, uh, you know, if if is going to be on the shelf for a little while, I'd like to see one of these young tackles uh, find a way to stick. Whether it's uh, a guy like Wyatt Miller or Calvin Anderson, somebody like that. But either way, um, speaking of, of, you know, guys that could fill in for A, we, we are going to. And I've said this before, Alex, I am not a huge fan of way too early 53 man roster projections because it really is a great deal of guessing because we're going off of, you know, in, in, in some cases with these players, uh, scouting reports, a few highlights, perhaps, you know, for those of us who take the time to watch a couple of games. I try to watch, you know, two, three, four games on each rookie. They, they end that they, uh, either draft or sign as an undrafted free agent, but you're not getting to see as much as you'd like. Like we'll have a much better idea, of course, when training camp is winding down and we will do another one of these, um, in the, the, you know, two, three, four days before the jets make their final cuts. But we're going to do it tonight and have a little bit of fun. And we are going to do our very own, uh, 53-man roster projection way too early, 53-man roster projection, and why don't you kick it off for us, Alex? You go ahead and start off uh, obviously no mystery who the starting quarterback's going to be, but how many quarterbacks do you see the Jets carrying? Is it two? Is it three? If it's two, who wins that number two job?
1: Um, If I had to be a guessing man, I I think they're going to roll with three quarterbacks this season. Uh, I think uh, Davis Webb is Uh, didn't have the the best weekend, but I I, I definitely see him ahead of Simeon at this point, but as far as experience is concerned, I don't think that you would just let a guy like Simeon just just walk uh, and go on to another team. So if my guess would be it it would be three quarterbacks, and I think Luke Falk might be the odd man out with the quarterback situation.
0: Okay, I'm going to go with Simeon for one of the, what you had mentioned I, I think they're going to go with the more experienced Guy So I'm going to say Darnold and Simeon With Falk maybe grabbing a job on the Practice squad And um, and Davis Webb Would be the odd man out He will be not on the roster in any form And again like I said case. we're guessing You know I, I want to see Davis Webb Take some, some preseason snaps Against you know vanilla offense Or not vanilla defense or not I want to see him, you know, throw some footballs. We haven't seen him really do that since, you know, a couple of years ago with the Giants in the preseason. So let's see how he does. But right now, I am mean, in any situation really, if you tell me that a head coach is trying to choose his backup quarterback and he's gonna choose between two unproven guys, neither of which has ever been spectacular, but one has played and won some NFL games, I'm gonna say he's gonna take that guy as his backup. So as of today, I'm saying Simeon with Falk having a chance to win the, the or to get a, a spot on the practice squad.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you this, if it, it might be good down to two, if Davis Webb fumbles another ball in practice, um, <laughs> there, there was a situation to where uh, the second, I don't know if the second or third string guys, there was some fumbles coming from the, the center position and then uh, some botched handoff. So, I, there was a specific play in which I think he had fumbled the ball and was taken right out of the uh, the, the reps. And I think uh, Falk had come in and, and finished the rest of the reps uh, on the uh, drills that they were doing because of a fumble. So uh, it, was, it was an interesting thing. Um, I hadn't really seen anybody kind of get yelled at uh, while I was there. And, and that, that does stick out to me with uh, with Webb.
0: All right, Alex. And now, Give me your running backs, and this is this is one of the tougher groups to judge because uh, well, there are a couple of factors, but you go ahead and give me your group, I'll give you mine, and we'll talk about why.
1: Uh, this one was a little tough for me. Um, I, I've been trying to ponder if they're going to keep all five or if they're just going to go with four, and who's going to be the odd man out. Um, I think the top three, obviously Bell, Montgomery, and Powell, and then who's it going to be between McGuire and Cannon? I think that because Ty Montgomery is going to be used a lot as a wide receiver, um, if they're going to be able to roll with the five running backs, um, you know, in the event that something happens to Le'Veon Bell, uh, you're going to need more than three running backs to get through the, the season. And if Montgomery is, has a bit of a wide receiver role, then, then McGuire is going to be the guy that, that sticks. So I have all five making uh, it in, in this scenario here. And mainly just due to Ty Montgomery's versatility. Yeah, and, and that was one
0: of the factors I was talking about because it, it basically, do you list Ty Montgomery as a running back or a receiver? I listed him as a running back for our purposes. I went with uh, I went with Bell, McGuire, Powell, Montgomery, um, and I'm a, I'm a big Trenton Cannon fan. You know, I've talked about uh, just you know let, let's write him off as an injury, put him on IR for the year but i would have no problem uh, to me the biggest x factor is bilal powell's health i think if he gets any type of injury big or small um well i shouldn't say bigger i mean if it's if it's you know if he misses a few days who cares but i think if if anything happens and bilal powell has had some injuries throughout his career so i think if he gets nicked up i think they're going to look at him and say look he's an older guy um you know young in terms of uh, in terms of mileage uh, you know old by nfl running back standards young by total, you know, number of carries. But given his injury history, I think if something happens there and we see an injury from uh Powell at any point, I don't think he makes the roster, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb, say he stays healthy. Bell Maguire, Powell Montgomery, but would not be the least bit surprised if it's Bell Maguire, as we said, uh Cannon finds a way to stick and then Montgomery, you can list him as a receiver, you know, a tweener basically. He can just be kind of a an X factor who doesn't really fall under any of those categories if they move them around enough. And, uh, and, and we'll see, I think it's an interesting group. Uh, and I'll, I'll actually talk about the versatility here when we do, uh, do our wide receivers. So who do you have at wide receiver? How many are they carrying and who are they?
1: Okay. So, uh, the Jets are going to keep six, uh, wide receivers, um, mainly because I think, um, Uh, the UDFA Greg Dortch is going to make the team. Uh, What he lacks in stature, I think he makes up in heart. Uh, I think yesterday he made a nice one-handed grab. Uh, He was heavily involved in the punt return mix. Uh, He was basically uh, in the mix with all the special teams groups. So uh, I just have a feeling that, that he might stick and We just don't know how, you know, it's going to round out, you know, throughout the season with, you know, obviously more injuries are going to occur. Um, Maybe there's a situation um, where he ends up on the practice squad um, after, you know, like Chris Herndon comes back because, you know, obviously at the moment he's missing four games. So the Jets are going to have the ability to carry an extra player at a particular position. I feel that because of that, maybe Dort, Dort Sticks. So my six are going to be Anderson, uh, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunla, Crowder, Josh Bellamy. I think Deontay Burnett is playing extremely well. Uh, he's still buried on the depth chart, but he just kept making plays, um, just like he did late in the season last year. And um, the chemistry that he has with Darnold, I think it's just too much of a factor for him not to make this squad at all. So I have the Jets going with uh Six wide receivers at the moment, and we'll just, you know, have to put a, an asterisk on on Burnett and and Dorch to see. I think it really comes down to which one of those two guys can separate themselves. And the reason why I think Dorch might have a little bit of an edge on Burnett is his return ability and the fact that he'll probably more be more involved in possibly punt and kick return duties.
0: All right, a lot of good points there, Alex. And I, I will confess with my wide receiver, if
1: basically if
0: we were doing a 53-man roster and it was like, if this was a competition where we get 100 bucks for every guy we get right, I probably wouldn't have one of the guys here. This is pure selfishness because of my love of versatility and being able to scheme and confuse defenses and, and have them constantly on their toes. So for that reason, I'm carrying seven receivers, Robbie, Quincy, Crowder, Deontay Burnett, Josh Bellamy, Greg Dorch, and my my wild card is Jeff Smith, the undrafted free agent out of BC. Uh, went to went to BC initially as a quarterback, wasn't a very good one, but you know transitioned well to wide receiver. Opened some eyes when he ran a sub four four forties. Very explosive guy, and the fact that you can kind of mix him in a little bit for some maybe. Uh, I mean, again, it', it not strictly a, a a gimmick play guy because if if you're on a four three seven and Adam Gase find a way to get him open to let him make some plays, and I know I saw his name uh, once or twice from some of the camp tweets on on a couple of deep balls, but I don't think it was you know he's with the twos and threes at this point. But uh, I love the idea of an explosive rookie, explosive undrafted rookie who can bring more to the table and and you know be that uh, that Brad Smith type on offense who can do a couple of different things. So that's why Jeff Smith. Again, if if this was if there was money involved here, if uh, you know if, if it mattered a whole lot that I got this right, Jeff Smith probably isn't on my fifty-three, and I'd I'd, I'd be going with another another wide receiver in this spot. So I, I fully admit this is my bias and my my preference for just having as much versatility and explosion on offense as possible. I'd probably have Deontay Thompson in that spot if not for the fact that. Uh, you know, I, I want that that versatility there.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I did see. Uh, I think he's wearing number nine, and um, yeah, he he was heavily involved in the mix with with some of the return and duties as well, um, as, as well as JJ Jones. Um, he was involved in some kicking. He's another one. They too. they
0: have some guys yeah. who can move. They have some. I mm-hmm. mean, you know you know we say it all the time 40s aren't everything but we also say it's it's what you can't teach so if you can mold and develop these guys even into role players where you can find a couple plays that work for them um these are guys that you know have the physical skills to to make an impact but it's all a matter of you know it's great if you're in a 4-3-40 but if you know do you get twisted out of your route when a corner you know puts a hand on your shoulder you know are you moved off your route that quickly and the play is disrupted and you may as well not be on the field to begin with. So I get that, you know, it's, it's not the be all end all, but when, when you have those skills that are hard to come by um, you got to keep an eye on those players and the jets have three, four five guys that can flat out fly.
1: Oh so, yes, yeah, speed is, you know, something that like you said, you just, you can't coach it and uh, no big surprise here. Uh, I, I, I should be expecting this, but Trenton Cannon's speed is just unbelievable, and it really is. I, I think he un- might be the fastest I don't guy on the roster. That. Oh, absolutely! It'd be, it's just kind of like when when you're seeing a play that's kind of going away from you, and he's he's turning that corner because of his size, he kind of gets lost in the bunch, and then next thing you know, you're turning your head and there he is, 20 yards downfield, and and you're looking at the back of the defensive guy's jersey. So, again, you know this team is. We've got a lot of speed. We've got a lot of guys that, you know, can can make big plays. And I think that's going to be one of the factors. Of, you know, our strength is definitely going to be this running back group for this offense. And, you know, who, who, do, you not, who do you want to put your weakest guy on? Um, because when it comes down to, you know, a linebacker or safety, how fast is that guy? Can he keep up with these guys? And, and that's where I think the Jets are going to really, really take advantage of, uh, uh, you know, defenses that are sleeping.
0: Yeah, that that's something I was I was going to touch on briefly. I know we've talked about it a bunch this off season, and I don't know if it's the fact that the season is getting closer that I'm getting that much more excited. Um, I did a little a short article on it earlier this week, but I can't. And, and you know, it's almost like I have to constantly check myself and just say, "Am I being? Is this the fan in me being, you know, insanely biased um, in in looking at this roster the way I am?" But I just, you know, we've talked about it before. And and it, I kind of can't get it out of my head the, the the way this team in a perfect world you know injuries can happen you know stuff happens, but if everybody's healthy, and Adam Gase is the guy he's supposed to be, you know I said I what I, I said earlier this offseason Alex we you know we did some predictions and I said that I thought Darnold would break the team touchdown record, and then I saw Brian Costello in the New York Post did a piece today saying that this could be the best Jets offense in a long time, and. I mean, someone's going to have to explain to me why that's not right, why it's wrong to say this team has the talent to be one of the highest scoring teams the Jets have ever put on the field. You know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, you know, we've talked about how they can attack at every level with Robbie and Quincy. Quincy Speed's underrated. It doesn't get talked about. Maybe because he's that physical guy, people just think he's sort of a, you know, a bulldozer, which he can be. But – the guy ran a 4.45 at the combine a couple years ago, you know, before the, before the neck injury. He was PFF's top rated receiver on, on receptions of 20 yards or longer. And Crowder underneath with his quickness, Herndon with what we saw from him last year. You add Wesco in the mix and some of these tight ends, which we're going to talk about next. You know, mm-hmm. guy like Ryan Griffin. Ryan Griffin, he was a 4,500 four, yard guy a couple years ago with, with the Texans. You know, uh, on a team that has DeAndre Hopkins, you know, and they had enough receivers that the tight end was going to be an afterthought. So they have some players here. Robbie, again, Robbie, Quincy, Crowder, Herndon, when he's in there, Griffin, if he's on the roster, and oh, by the well, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, what 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 is it that you expect an offense to be able to do that this team can't do other than, and I get this is a big one, the run blocking has to be better. But does the run blocking have to be perfect? It's this versatility that we're talking about that puts the the offensive line in a position where the defense, there's a very good chance defenses are going to spend a lot of time kind of back on their heels and not really, you know, just trying to anticipate who's going where. When you can motion Le'Veon Bell from the backfield into the slot and then bring Ty Montgomery into the backfield, no, Montgomery isn't the running back that that Le'Veon Bell is. So now maybe you back off the run a little bit because you, you sure as hell better not leave Le'Veon Bell alone. He's he's a six seventy catch guy. So you, you got to pay attention to him. You got to pay attention to Robbie Deep. So you, you're you still... It's not like you can say, okay, well, now, now that Le'Veon's not in the backfield, we don't have to worry about the run. Well, you better because Ty Montgomery can run it. And Bilal, whether it's Bilal Powell or Eli McGuire, both those guys can run it, catch it, and block. Bell can run it, catch it, and block. So there's really... For the things you look for from an offense, there's, there's, nobody, there's nobody who's a liability. You know, a lot of times you, you say, well, you know, if you have this guy in, you know it's a run play because he can't pass block. You know, or if this tight end, you know, it, it, say you're bringing Jordan Leggett in the game, he's probably a pass play because he's not a great blocker. And probably even more so with like a Jeff Cumberland type. Or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just some of these guys who can catch it a little bit, but they can't block to save their lives. Um, from what we've seen of Griffin, a little, for anyone who's gone back and, and watched any of him, he, he can block it and he, he, he can catch it and he can block. Brown, now we've got to see more of him, but he's a, he played wide receiver in college. He's primarily been a blocker in the pros. So you would have to believe he can block and catch. Herndon can block and catch. The, the, you know, it sure as hell looks like Wesco is going to be a guy who can block like hell and catch it a little bit. He's got to get open. I don't know if he'll be able to do that or how frequently. But tell me, you know, first of all, I know the first thing people say, oh, none of this matters because the line sucks. No, this does matter because the line is not great, but not as bad as people make it out to be. And having weapons that can beat you at every level is going to make the line that much better and help them out a little bit. So tell me what a team has to do on offense if this Jets team doesn't have the tools to do. That's just me. I I didn't mean to go on that long, but I did want to touch on that in this episode because As I was writing that article the other day, I was like, is this me? Am I crazy? Or does this team have the way to beat you at every level, legitimately? Not wishful thinking. Not like, oh, well, hopefully, you know, not like you have a rookie or an unproven slot guy. And you're like, well, if this guy turns out to be good, that's another weapon. No, these guys are proven weapons. What they haven't proven, many of them, is that they can stay healthy, stay on the field. And that brings us to the tight ends. Alex, go ahead and start us off for your, uh, your, your three or four, however many tight ends you got them carrying.
1: Yep, uh, we were talking about this before we came on. Uh, due to Herndon's situation, and his suspension, uh, I believe that the Jets will be able to carry an extra player until he uh, gets cleared, uh, or activated, rather, and then they'll have to make a cut. So I, I can clearly see them keeping uh, four tight ends um, in Wesco, Griffin, Tomlinson, and Brown. Um, and then if I had to be a guessing man, it, it would probably be between Tom, Eric Tomlinson uh, and uh, Daniel Brown, uh, who's who's going to end up getting cut. That would be my personal opinion on it. Um, I was definitely impressed with the way Ryan Griffin uh, was utilized. He he wasn't getting many opportunities with the with the ones because I think he's still trying to learn the offense. But they were flexing him out. Um, him and Brown were being flexed out. You know, at far outside as you know that that flex wide tight end. Um, that you know people talk about it. he looks like he was lined up as a wide receiver. Even um, Daniel Brown, like you said, he, he looks like a wide receiver, but clearly you know he's in the tight end mix. Uh, one thing that, that stood out was, I'd probably have to say that the longest gains and receptions that were had by all the tight ends this weekend was Ryan Griffin. So he definitely has uh, the tool set as a receiving tight end. And I feel that rolling into the first month, if Herndon gets all four games, um, I feel very comfortable uh, with, with, a, with a Tomlinson, Griffin, and Wesco um, mix. And if they run a three-tight end set for a little power football, I definitely feel very confident in, in the run game. Is, you know, um, and with the whole situation with the offensive line, you know, we got a better left guard in Coletio in Assembly, in my opinion, um, from James Carpenter. And look at some of the things that uh, Isaiah Crowell did. You know, multiple 200-yard games, and he had a handful of 100-yard games, too. So if if an average to a below average running back uh, like Crowell can can do what he did with this squad, and now we have got a better uh, left guard in the mix, uh, what could Le'Veon Bell do? Because Le'Veon Bell is... Way more talented than Crowell So a little side note on that um, But to stay on topic, I think Four tight ends are, are going to stay in the mix And, and it's either going to be Tomlinson or Brown That's going to get cut when um, Herndon comes back Into the mix
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think Tomlinson Is a guy, he, he's got to have a bounce back year Because last year was definitely his worst year with the Jets I think the concern Becomes how many guys do you keep Who can do the same thing Because to me, Griffin is probably a better version Of Tomlinson And I think they expect Wesco will be a better version of Tomlinson. So, really, you're keeping three in-line blocking tight ends. And I think Tomlinson's hands are better than he gets credit for. He's not great, but, you know, he'll catch the ball. Um, But do you need three guys who block and catch it but don't, you know, don't make dynamic plays? For that reason, I have them carrying three with Herndon um, suspended for the first four games. It's going to start off Brown, Griffin, Wesco. And then when Herndon is eligible to come back, well, I almost want to say Brown or Griffin will go. But if those guys are playing all right, then uh, maybe they make a cut elsewhere. But for that position alone to start the season, Herndon suspended Brown, Griffin, Wesco are your tight ends, and Tomlinson moves on. Um, like I said, if Tomlinson bounces back and plays the way he did a couple years ago when he's a you know, much better blocker than he was last season, he's got a shot. But um, I think this this regime likes the idea of adding – as many of their own people as possible. Um, obviously, you know, like 90 guys in camp, probably 86 of them were acquired by Mike McCagnon. So you can only get rid of so many, but I think they want to kind of bring in their own people, you know, as, as time goes on. So that may work against Tomlinson as well. And that brings us to the O line. How many and who?
1: Okay. Um, I kind of have them a little split up here. Um, 'cause I, I did the starters on, on the top of my list and then I put my bench guys in the back. But I have ten offensive linemen. Um and my the we all know the starting five with Kelvin Beetram, Cleccio Semely, Jonathan Harrison. By the way, Harrison is in phenomenal shape. Uh very impressed. Uh not your average center. Um you know the tip <laughs> excuse me, typical big bellied kind of husky-looking um, centers that are offensive linemen that you're accustomed to seeing. I, I have to say that he's probably the most cut, as far as physique, offensive lineman that I've seen at the center position in my, you know, watching football. And then um, Brian Winters and Brandon Shell, And then behind them, Doga. I've got Eric Smith, John Toss, Tom Compton, and Ben Braden. I have an asterisk on Ben Braden because if Quale's health situation uh, improves and he ends up uh, being able to make the roster in September, then obviously I think Braden will probably end up going to the practice squad. But in the event that Quale is not available uh, until later in the season, I think Ben Braden will will get the opportunity to uh, be a backup.
0: Yeah, I'm really torn, as you know, and have been for, for a couple months now on the Brian Winters situation. There's one part of me that says that Compton can come out and play at or near his level, meaning the Jets will cut Brian Winters and save that six point five million. Why pay a guy six point five when you Are have another play? guy who can who can do a job just as well. Sorry? Oh sorry, I thought you said something there. Um so you there,
1: going. We Cut out a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. Is that better? Hello? Oh, fuck. You got me, Alex?
1: Yeah, sorry about that. Looks like I uh, my call dropped.
0: Okay, gotcha. Sorry about that. So, uh, yeah, I was trying to figure that out. I, I got a, a, a pop-up here. I didn't know if it said the show dropped or the call dropped, but, yeah, it said you dropped. But, anyway, you're back. So, yeah, I'm I'm torn on Winters. Part of me thinks he wins the starting job, and then part of me says maybe they just boot him, save the $6.5 million, and give Compton that roster spot. So, mm-hmm. for the sake of making things in- interesting, uh, I'm going to say that's the way it goes. I'm going to say it's Beecham, Osmele, Harrison, Compton, Shell, Winters goes, they save six point five million there. Then the backups are gonna be Adoga, Quale, who will, again we'll will touch on that. I th- actually I think it's gonna be Adoga, Wyatt Miller, the undrafted free agent. I think he has a shot to stick and take uh or not take Quale's spot, but with Quale's roster spot opening up. Toth, who you also had, and Ben Braden and uh w- Quale, we don't know how long he's going to be out. All we know at this point is that they're saying it's not going to be season-ending. So does that mean he misses three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, or eight or nine weeks? So if it's long-term, they'll have to have a long-term backup replacement. But um, that's what I'm going to go. I had Winters on my initial 53, but the more I thought about it, I, I just I thought Compton moves better and Winters makes $6.5 million. They can recoup all of that, which would then, of course— uh, Carry over to the next year So that's uh, that's where I'm going on the O-line And it's not, you know, I'm not saying I want Brian, somebody said that to me Because, you know, I've, I've mentioned the possibility Of Winters going a couple times And people are like, why, someone said to me Why, why do you hate Brian Winters so much I think Brian Winters is probably an awesome dude Like the little bit I know about him what I, You know, talking mm-hmm. to people that work for the team He seems like a real, I'm sure he's a really good guy um, I don't dislike Brian Winters I'm just looking at it from a A perspective of yeah. I think they can get similar play from a guy who doesn't make nearly as much. And when that happens, teams will often let guys go. So if he sticks, fine. Um, If he doesn't, uh, it won't be the least bit surprising to me.
1: And uh, congratulations to the Winters family. Uh, Nash Winters is the new addition. Um, He had a, a newborn last week, and I think that's why he missed the first practice or two. So congratulations to the Winters family.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, Alex. I put the guy on the unemployment line, and the first thing you say is he just had a kid. That way, way to, way to make, way to make, make me look like a total heel. Uh, while Glenn is firing Brian Winters, we just want to let everyone know he just had a child, um, whose dad yeah, is now work looking on his for combo work.
1: Blocks, then he might be um, out of the job.
0: <laughs> yeah, his uh, his father is now unemployed. Poor little Nash. Uh, you know, hopefully they find a way to to make it through. Uh, got any more gems for us, Glenn? So yeah, no. But seriously though. Congratulations to the Winters clan on their newest addition. And let's, if Brian Winters were to get cut, I, I think he'd get by. You know, he's, he's, he's made a few dollars. He's
1: made a few bucks. Yeah, and, and, and it's not bucks, like
0: he'd be unemployed for long. He's still a starting level guard. He'd be playing somewhere, making more money than I could ever imagine. So anyway.
1: And with all the hunter gear um, he has in shirts, I'm sure he could live off the land for a while too.
0: Yeah, and I will say, with, with Winters going, actually, that leaves me uh, – the next guy on my roster was uh, Eric Smith. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually torn, Alex, because I, I like some of the, the interior guys who are, you know, long shots, whether it's the undrafted guys or some of the, the, the waiver wire or free agent pickups. There there are a couple of guys on there that I've said a few Anderson. times this offseason. season. Well, Anderson, yeah, after. Anderson at tackle. Well, Anderson, I was trying to decide between Anderson and Wyatt um at tackle and I, I think honestly if I was gonna say tackle it would be it'd be Eric Smith. Um but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Wyatt Miller because of the fact that he's played left and right tackle and he's been incredibly durable. So for that reason I would go with him. But I know that I heard or I read on uh on Twitter that they had Jordan Morgan working at center with the second team and he's a guy that I really like because he's another guy. Him and Tyler Jones, those are the two interior offensive linemen that intrigued me the most. Jones, you know, has a reputation as a very good pass blocker, and Jordan Morgan, you know, coming out of Cootstown, a small school guy who was going to need time to develop, and the Bears gave up on him rather quickly. Maybe he just doesn't have it. Maybe the Bears didn't feel like they were willing to wait. And Brian Winters is a perfect example. You know, Brian Winters isn't, isn't a, you know, a, a all-pro player, but he's a guy who really struggled for his first couple seasons coming out of Kent State and eventually came around and became a quality player. And sometimes that happens. So uh, Morgan and Tyler Jones really interest me, Um, but I I would go with the tackle in that spot, Eric Smith. And Wyatt Miller is a guy who, you know, some scouting reports anyway say he's a guy that teams might kick inside. But not a lot of fans get excited about watching the offensive line in preseason, but guys like Tyler Jones, Jordan Morgan, Wyatt Miller, Anderson, uh, you know, Eric Smith, I want to see these guys play.
1: Yeah, and, you know, hopefully uh, Joe Douglas and his staff are keeping an eye on um, backup opportunities for for the center position. Multiple Aaron snaps this weekend off the shotgun formation. Uh, Simeon was – he might as well have gotten his baseball glove out. He had a couple uh, grounders that he had to field. I think uh, Webb had one that almost went over his head. So we've been there. We've done that. We saw that with uh, Spencer Long last year. Uh, could get real ugly if anything happens to Jonathan Harrison. So that's definitely something that uh, I hope Joe Douglas is keeping a you know both eyes uh, on on the radars of other teams.
0: Yep. So you know it, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, but I think there's going to be some some interesting guys in that group. And let's say uh, let's let's have your offensive line picks, Alex.
1: Okay, um, I think I ran through them, um, but I can recap here. Uh, I had uh, the starting five, Beecham, Osemele, Harrison, Winters, Shell, and then Chuma, Adoga, Eric Smith, John Toth, Tom Compton, and Ben Braden with, you know, asterisk on that one. If Quale gets cleared or gets healthy somehow, I think Braden would probably be a practice squad guy.
0: Yeah, I think – you broke up at the last second what were those last two names
1: uh it would be between Ben Braden and, and Brent Wallace
0: yeah i think that uh i think Braden's a guy uh, you know and i've said before i think that he's a probably more of a run blocker than a pass blocker but you, you like any of these guys that that find a way onto a roster you know i after going undrafted stick with the practice squad keep battling find themselves on a roster late in the season didn't see any game action, but an interesting prospect nonetheless. And, and I, you know, I, I looked at a couple of other 53 man projections, um, a couple of days ago, and there were a few people that have him making the roster. Um, and again, this time of year, it is, it is, you know, people just, just giving their best guess. And maybe it's the fact that Braden's been around for a little while. They have him ahead of some of these other, you know, undrafted guys. And, and he may stick, but, um, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't not like any story like that, any undrafted guys who battle their way up. And, uh, the guys who will be on the opposite side along the defensive line, who do you like, Alex?
1: Okay. So, oh, what are we talking? Are we talking three, four, four, three here? But, um, all right. So, let's go with my three-man front. I'd have to go with, uh, Leonard Williams, uh, um, defensive end Quentin Williams in the nose, Henry Anderson playing uh, uh, the other defensive end position. So that would be my starting three. I think my starting four, um, four man front, would be both Williams, McClendon, and Bronson Kafusi. Um, I, I that may be the the tallest and maybe the largest offensive uh, defensive line in the league. I'm going to say just just from what I've seen, but I could be wrong. Um, so I have, that's four right there. And I also have Nate Shepard, um, in the mix as well. So right now I, I think I have seven, no, one, two, three, four, five, six. So six defensive, uh, linemen, um, at the moment might be a, a little short right there. Uh, depending on how, uh, full ends up. But right now I have six defensive linemen rolling into the season.
0: All right, we're we're in line for the most part. I've got Leo, Henry Anderson, Quinnen, McClendon, Kafasi, and I had Shepard. But what made me bump him at the last second was the fact that he's you know he, he's an older guy for a second year player, and I think unless he's mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic, I think they're going to move on and say this guy's you know he's it's not like he's a 22 year old who has three four five years of growing and getting better ahead of him he's he's probably he's in his peak years now, and he did so little last year I can't see him making that much of a jump that he's all of a sudden a guy who's who's good enough to make a roster under a new regime at his age so I'm gonna go with another unknown another undrafted guy in uh Tennessee defensive lineman Kyle Phillips he's a guy who i you know I've said before I think he was he was the best player on a bad defense at a big time school and i think uh from what i watched of him instinctive guy good motor and he's somebody who i i think can find a way to sneak onto this team
1: yeah and and now when i'm i'm looking at this and i i can't believe i forgot him and and now i'm i'm looking at my wide receiver group and i'm wondering if i if i made a mistake here because forgot about Terrell Basham and I know that he's kind of a tweener between a defensive end and yep, now yep. um, a linebacker. He was a tough on to leave off. Uh, and I'll have to say this. I thoroughly enjoyed the battle between him and I know he changed his name. I'm still going with Bucky Hodges, but <laughs> those two guys went at each other this Sunday. It was awesome. Um, they were, they were doing some special team drills and Uh, There was one play where I guess somebody felt that a flag should have been thrown and they just went right back at each other after the whistle and they they had to be separated a little bit. And and then the talking kept going from, you know, from one group across from the other, they just kept drawing at each other and then they got lined up for another drill and Basham got the best of them. And it, I mean, honestly, if I thought that a, uh, you know, some hands were going to be thrown and a fight might have broken out, I would have had my money on the, on Hodges and, and Basham. Um, and that was thoroughly enjoyable to watch the two of them go at it. Um, like, you know, like I said before, competition is high. And, you know, Joe Douglas and, and Gase are going to have some tough cuts here.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, Basham is a guy who, you know, we've talked about. He, in, in his limited playing time last year, he did stand out a little bit. And he, he is a guy who could sneak onto this roster. Uh, I you know this is why I'm you know, and we're all excited to see these guys in live action, and we'll see how that works out. But uh, these are tough, man, and, and the next one we do will be even tougher. Even though we'll have a better idea, there's gonna there's gonna be those guys that make a few plays that you that really stand out to you, and you, you just want the guy to stick. But realistically, mm-hmm. he probably won't, and you, you find yourself, you know. You st- you know you, you have one sheet of paper where you have 25 different names crossed off and rewritten and moved around and it's uh you get to you, it's it's things like this where you're like why don't they expand the damn roster um cuz you yeah. just want to <laughs> find a way you want to find a way to keep every guy that jumps out at you but uh go ahead and give us your linebackers Alex
1: okay so so this one here uh i obviously we know um Moseley, um and, and Avery Williamson are going to be our two guys in the middle. Um, and then on the outsides, we're going to have Jordan Jenkins and Copeland. So that's our, our four right there. And then our backups, um, I have Polite, uh, making uh, making the squad clearly as a rookie. And then we have Cashman. And I'm really torn here between Hewitt and Luvu. Um, that one was probably the toughest um, for me here, but... We have our four in Jordan Jenkins, CJ, Avery Williamson and Copeland at the four, and then polite, Cashman and Hewitt. So I, I have seven at the moment. Um but you know, Hewitt's really gonna have to stand out, not to uh to be replaced by Frankie Louvu, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I I didn't like letting go of Hewitt, but I just I felt like Cashman takes his spot. Um I like Louvu yeah. a lot. But if you're talking about – if you're talking about a backup coverage linebacker, it's going to be between Cashman and Luvu. I'm sorry. It's going to be between Cashman and Hewitt, and Hewitt being a bit longer in the tooth in a backup role, I think Cashman wins that. So I've got Mosley, Avery, Jordan Jenkins, Brandon Copeland, Ja'Kai Polite, Frankie Luvu, and Cashman. Uh, Did I say Brian? I probably did, and I probably will a few times. Blake Cashman. So the linebackers, that was it for me. Uh, again, Hewitt was a tough cut because I like the guy. Uh, next up is the safety position. Uh, at least two of those are pretty much set in stone.
1: Yep, we know it's, it's going to be uh, May Day, Marcus May, and then Jamal Adams, obviously, is the top two. And uh, I only see two other guys in the mix here with Rontez Miles and Doug Middleton uh, just because – 33 is not coming off the field, and a healthy Marcus May is not coming off the field either. So that's the only way I see that getting mixed up. I, I have four rolling on this team.
0: Yeah, who, sorry, who was your last one?
1: Uh, just uh, Rontez Miles and Doug Middleton backing up May and Adams. So I have four total.
0: Gotcha. I got Adams, May, Middleton, and I'm going with Brandon Bryant. I like the way he came along last season. Uh, I know it's only the preseason, but that that week four game against Philly he just he looked like he'd made big steps in a short time in a short space of time, and I think another off season and going into year two, he's a more complete player than miles, so that's my four adams may middleton bryant uh middleton though if he gets if middleton gets injured again, he's had a lot of injuries he gets hurt again he could be a guy who's on the bubble and finds himself out of the job and maybe it's uh There's another name in there, but if it stays as it is, that's my four, and that brings us to the group that many feel is the weakest on the roster at corner. How many you got? And who are they? Really
1: upset, Tremaine Johnson, if if he happened to catch his presser. I did, and that's Um,
0: fine. He should he should be upset, you know. But you know, first of all, a what does he expect the fans to say? Like, Mm -hmm. just just go back and watch what happened to you last year. Um, yep. and, but then, of course, what 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 do the fans expect him to say? He do come out and say, "Yeah, we're really gonna hold this team back this year, guys." Sorry to sorry to fill you in on that. Of course, he's gonna be yep. offended and defensive, and this is what pro athletes do. They use the negative energy, you know, to feed their, you know, to feed their, to motivate them. Uh, I think it's almost bad to, to to get on opposing players too much because that pro athletes feed into that stuff, man. They really do. As a matter of fact, as this show winds down, I, I have a funny story about um, about pro athletes feeding off of negative energy. But go ahead, go ahead, Alex, and uh, let me know who your corners are.
1: So uh, top two is going to be Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts. Our nickel should be Brian Poole. And then I have Derek Jones and Perry Nickerson. So we're going to be rolling with, with five uh, defensive backs uh, at the cornerback position.
0: All right, I have True, I have Roberts, and Poole, Derek Jones, Parry Nickerson, and I actually have Jeremy Clark, but I put him there. He is literally like the 53rd guy on my roster and the, one of the first guys I expect to be gone when a move is made. Um, whether it's cut, well, he won't get traded. He doesn't have any value. Uh, whether they just, if he doesn't make the roster initially, or if he does, I think. Joe Douglas is, is going to have to make a move And he's going to have to get a corner from somewhere And I think Clark is the The first guy to go So for anyone saying oh my god I can't believe i him on the roster I have him as my 53rd guy Hanging on by a string So those are my corners And The camp battles Listen the the, the last three left are the specialists And uh, we heard about Catanzaro uh, miss, missing a bunch of kicks the oof. other day uh, wh- wh- Who, who do you got there What do you out. like <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, unless if they, you know, bring, bringing in somebody else. in. it looks like Catanzaro is going to be the guy and she had some early struggles. Uh, maybe it was the heat. Cause it was definitely a scorcher uh, over the weekend, but not looking too great um, missed three in a row. And then he bounced back and made three in a row um, on that Saturday practice that I was at. And um, uh, actually to sounds terrible of me. I, I don't know who our long snapper is. Is, is Hennessy still on the team? Or Yeah, yeah. Hennessy's still uh, the guy at long snapper. All right. Yeah, so, you know, lock him in. I, I don't think there's anybody that's pretty much going to be competing for that. And it, it, no, you know, they generally... Here to me because... What's that? With the kickers and the punters and the long snapper, I don't feel like they should be included in the 53. Because, yes, they're important, but in the same retrospect i just don't feel special team guys should be part of that but <laughs> you just
0: perfect. want more roster spots alex
1: that's you, you I, want I more want roster more bodies spots. on this team <laughs>
0: give <laughs> me some 100%. football players why why is my punter yeah. taking up a roster spot i should be allowed 53 yeah. football players and a punter
1: and i i yeah. came to find out we we do have a backup or competition at the punter position matt Dar. Uh, well, that's uh, competing against Lachlan Edwards. I I don't that's, think that's a threat there, but I
0: I think uh, I think Dar takes the job because he punted very well for Adam Gase. I think Gase brought him in because he's familiar with him and he likes him. Not I I think he's probably and I could be wrong. I am going off memory here. When the Jets signed him, I looked up his numbers, and they were pretty comparable to Lack Edwards. I could be again. I could be wrong, but I remember at first I thought, oh, you know, bringing someone in to just give Lack Edwards a rest. And then I looked at the numbers, and I remember thinking, like, oh, okay, they're right in the same ballpark. Um, so with that being the case, and with Gase being a, a guy who's had Dar in Miami, I'm going to say Dar, Catanzaro. I mean, if he doesn't get his act together, he'll, just, he'll be gone, and they'll just sign somebody right before the season starts. And then Hennessy at long snapper. But um, basically right now, that that puts us at the 53, you and me both. And uh, it'll be a lot more fun to do this after some preseason action. And I know that uh, preseason games, regular season games. What's that?
1: Yeah, next 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 Thursday. Not this upcoming, but next Thursday. We got football.
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't even know if I'm going to be – I didn't realize that till the other day. I'm going to be out of the country. Well, I'm already out of that country. I'll be out of this country um, for a few weeks during the preseason. So I'll probably be trying to get uh, some – I'll, I'll be trying to watch these games live, but uh, I'm gonna be in France uh, in a, a lovely area. But it's an area where there is like no Wi-Fi because um, it's a, just a small little village in the middle of nowhere. Um, sometimes I can steal Wi-Fi from the restaurant across the street, so I will likely be watching game recaps. Um, what is it? The I don't even know if they do the the uh, the the condensed version on NFL game on NFL pay, game pass for preseason games. I can't remember, but I will be seeing these games one way or the other. I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it, but I'll be away for a couple of them. I'll be
1: there. Yeah. Um, I. I, You know, it'll be big blues home game, but um, I'll be representing the gang green for sure. And uh, heckling my buddies as much as I can.
0: Yeah. It'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting preseason. Lots of, lots of new weapons to put on display. And, you know, of course they'll limit what they do because it is the preseason, but I know the Jets fans, you know, far and wide are excited about this group that they've put together and there's plenty of reason for them to be. And we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, just want to thank you Alex for, uh, your report on what you saw at camp. I know you're going to take in some more days in the not so distant future. Uh, and that you'll be able to talk about on here. And actually, you and I have to talk about the show while I'm away and figuring out if those will be solo or if we're going to try to have me call in from middle of nowhere, France. Um, but for us tonight, that'll do it. Check out our sponsor, by the way, Miles Social, M-I-L-E Social, Miles Social. If you run a small business and you're finding yourself a little bit too much on your plate. Too many tasks, not enough time. You need somebody to run your social media for you, your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter. Mile Social, M-I-L-E Social is the way to go. They will handle all of your social media needs. Hopefully more customers through the door, more cash in your pocket. Thank you so much for tuning in. Alex, uh, anything to add before we go?
1: Um. Definitely excited to see um, another episode of One Jets Drive tonight. Um, to, I love those shows, by the way. I don't know if you caught it, but they're Can't they, get like, of that. our own hard ducks, and I could watch that stuff all day. I wish they were a little bit longer. Um, definitely looking forward to that. And um, anybody who wants to see something cool, um, one of our rookies, Calvin Anderson, who I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you heard me say uh, a uh, Rubik's Cube Master. Did you pick up on that?
0: I, d- I didn't hear that. No, sorry.
1: Okay, so I, I tweeted it earlier. So if you want to check out my timeline um, at nyjetlife 24 uh, this guy is a master at the Rubik's cube. You have to check it out. He can do it behind his back without even looking. I don't even understand it. And then That's he goes ridiculous. on. Um, it was actually Dennis Wozak uh, who who had uh, put this out there. Uh, so thank you, Dennis, for that. And the way he explains on how he does it, it's I'm wondering why this guy is in some sort of like mathematician and why he's in the NFL, but definitely very cool. Check out Calvin Anderson, Jets fans.
0: All right. So there you have it, Calvin Anderson and his magical Rubik's cube skills. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight, Jets fans. We will be back again next week with more and uh, some more camp reports and hopefully some, some good news from the, uh, the development of young Sam Darnold. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great night, Jets fans. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at acefan 23, and Alex is at NY Jets Life 24. Until next time, go Jets.
1: Ha, ha, ha.